I somebody listening to this needs to know that you don't need a big platform to make a big difference. Just serve the best you can with what you got where you are. That's excellence. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have an inspiring guest to share with you today. His name is Daryl Stinson. He's a thought leader on athletic transition. He's a dynamic TEDx speaker, pastor, and a certified John Maxwell coach. He shares his life experience, which I'm not going to tell you right now. We're going to jump into that in the story, but how this impacted his life. Daryl played defensive end at Central Michigan University from 2008 to 2011 and helped his team win a MAC championship. They were ranked 23 at the time in the AP, which is pretty unusual for a MAC team, but he founded most importantly, what he's doing today, Second Chance Athletes, a holistic athletic transition company that gives athletes a second chance to succeed in life without the demands of sports. He's got a book launching everywhere tomorrow that we're going to dive into. And when he's not working, he enjoys rapping, reading, entertainment, music, sports, and spending time with his wife and his three beautiful daughters. And as we've become friends, I can attest to that. He is definitely a father first, which is one of the reasons I love Daryl so much. Daryl, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is outstanding to have you on the show. Man, I am honored, privileged, excited. And uh, I just want to say to everyone who's tuning in right now, thank you so much for tuning in. I know that we're going to share some stuff that can uh, be inspirational to you, can help your life move forward. And uh, just thank you for your time today. This is going to be a great podcast episode. I think so too. And, and you know, even if you're not playing sports, which is basically 99.99% of you, there's <laughs> so much from Daryl's story that is applicable yeah. to all aspects yeah. of life. Now, I intentionally omitted quite a bit out of your intro because yeah. I wanted to, to take a deep dive because that's something that I love to do with everybody who comes on the show is explore their past. Now, you're, now, I know that your father played football at Central Michigan University. So I was better, though. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to touch that one. But uh, <laughs> you had other opportunities. You had some other Big Ten offers and had a chance to go somewhere else. And so, I, listen, I'm not, uh, I'm not denigrating the MAC or, or Central Michigan University, yeah. but it would be, it's pretty unusual for a, for a kid out of high school who has opportunities to get yeah. a scholarship at, say, another Big Ten school to go to Central. So let's, mm -hmm. why Central? Let's talk, let's start there. 
<sighs> Why Centro? Um, in a way that relates to people um, who are not athletes, let me say this is. Uh, the same reason I chose Central Michigan is the same reason why we do things that we don't want to do. Um, and it's because we listen too much to the opinions of others. Now, I say that in full respect to my alma mater and in full belief that that's where I was supposed to be at. So I don't live in regret that maybe I should have went to somewhere else or somewhere bigger or somewhere because I that's not what I believe. But I do believe that we have to be careful about who we allow to speak into our lives and influence our decisions. So here I am, a guy um, going into my high school year um, as a uh, senior, and I am ranked number three in the state of Michigan in basketball, and I'm ranked number nine in the Midwest for football. Tons of media attention, all this stuff. And um, I've got scholarship offers. And the, the conversation going around at the time is that I am 6'5", and that my height in basketball is below average, but my height in football is phenomenal, especially when you combine my speed. So there would be a lot of work that I would have to go through just to have a small chance at becoming a professional basketball player, although I was good. But there was a much greater chance that with my size and athleticism, that I would go to the NFL. So listening to that advice, which was decent advice, besides the fact no one ever asked me what I wanted. <laughs> I loved the game of basketball. It was my first love. And so uh, I wanted to go to a school that um, allowed me to play both sports. Um, my dream was to play at Michigan State. The problem was that Michigan State uh, found out about me late in the recruiting process because our recruiting staff at the, you know, just, we didn't have the best, you know, support. <laughs> I'm trying to be politically correct on the podcast. Uh, but so I, I, I chose to go to Central Michigan. First, here's a unique story. I actually chose to go to Eastern Michigan. Um, I actually, uh, like, I forget what the word is, like soft committed. I verbally committed to Eastern uh, Michigan University, that I would go there to play football and basketball. Michigan State um, only offered me a gray shirt in football. They did not allow me to play basketball. And Tom Izzo was like, look, I can't even promise you a gray shirt. You're going to have to try out um, because I just don't have enough records. I don't have enough footage. I don't have a film. And um, and so we, I don't know, right? So, <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to go the safe route. I'll go to Eastern. I know I can play both. If I perform well, I can always transfer and like take a year off. And whatever. that was my plan. And then my dad was like, well, have you ever thought about going to Central? Now, I was already verbally committed to Eastern Michigan University. And this is a true story. <laughs> the day of signing day, I switched. Wow television came to um, uh, see this, uh, me sign, you know, at the school. Cause it was a big story. Cause we had three athletes from our school going to division one from a small Jackson school. That's like a really big deal. Um, um, actually one of them was uh, not, I think division two, but uh, Tyler Thomas, he was supposed to go to uh, Eastern Michigan, which he did. And then I was supposed to go to Eastern. So it was like a big story. So the media came out. I still got the pictures with all the cameras. <laughs> and I literally switched hats. <laughs> like, like I, I didn't, I had, I took one of my dad's CMU hats 
Uh, and I just chucked the Eastern Michigan hat and I announced on camera that I would be attending Central Michigan University. <laughs> Did, did Central know? Oh, Central Central didn't know. They had called me and they. I talked to them the morning of signing day, and they said, "Look, we ha- we had a scholarship come available, and we think we can squeeze you in." I said, "Look, can I play football and basketball?" They were like, "Yes, absolutely. Come on." And that that was it. And so my my Eastern Michigan recruiting coach found out on uh, national television and he calls me and he's so pissed. <laughs> he is, I mean, cussing me out on the phone for making this. And it was, it was, I should have, I should have notified them beforehand, but I was a high schooler, you know? So anyways, that was my decision. And uh, I'm glad that I went to Central. Obviously got to play with some amazing players, Antonio Brown being one of them, one of the best wide receivers, um, arguably of all time. Um, uh, I know he's got some issues now, but uh, definitely um, has made an impact on the league. Still has some standing records. Uh, played with number one draft pick Eric Fisher. I always make the joke that he went number one because he went against me every day in practice. <laughs> Oh, it's a true story. Um, and uh, a ton of, uh, a couple of pro bowlers that I played with um, and the opportunity to, you know, beat Michigan State um, as a MAC school was very important for us. And uh, being ranked number 23rd in the nation, winning a MAC championship, playing for, you know, legendary coach Butch Jones was just all great stuff. And then to be able to wear my father's colors and play better than him was also good. So if he's watching this, I just want him to know that. I am the best Stinson of the family now. <laughs> wow. I, I'm just actually having a flashback. And for those of you that don't know, I did attend Michigan State. And now I'm realizing that that game where you helped beat my school was the game I watched with my entire family. So the weekend, sorry about that. The weekend of my wedding. Oh, right before, <laughs> So uh, <laughs> I'm going to continue the podcast nonetheless, but I, I just had a, this overwhelming sense of pain just... <laughs> <laughs> but um but let's talk let's let's talk about what happened next because i know and this is yeah. really the defining part of your journey you know you got the advice the scouts were telling you look you have the size and the speed to play in the nfl you made the choice you went to central and something happened yeah talk to us about that uh, I was trying to impress all the upperclassmen with how strong I was as a freshman. And I was um, squatting when I wasn't supposed to. I had had some, some minor back issues throughout high school and I was not supposed to be squatting. I was supposed to do like leg press and other forms of um, lower body exercises. But I wanted to prove to everybody that I was so strong and I can lift with the upperclassmen. While everyone else that was a lower classman lifted the freshman weights, I wanted to show that I could lift with the seniors. And so I, I can't tell you the, the weight amount, but I put whatever they were lifting on my back. And I did like three reps and we all shouted and we all slapped chest and did all these things. And then when I put the weight off the rack, I almost fell because of a sharp pain that went through my entire body. And I knew something was wrong, but I was a tough guy. Couldn't show no weakness. So I kept chest bumping and I actually went about, geez, um, two and a half, three months with uh, what I found out to be a pinched nerve in my back. And by the time I found out when I had my MRI, I had to have emergency back surgery because my left leg was probably days, if not hours away from going paralyzed from all the muscle atrophy. So um, had the emergency surgery, had this golden opportunity to focus on my education. Coaches said that they'll still honor my scholarship and that I can come around football whenever I want. 
but since sports was who I was and not what I did, I did something very stupid. <laughs> I begged the coaches to let me on the team. I signed a liability waiver so they, that they would not be liable for my injury or death. And I put my body through two years of drug addiction, um, manipulating the healthcare system, getting multiple epidural shots in my bag, getting nerve killings, getting steroid pain pills, not the steroid performance enhancers, but steroid pain pills to be able to numb my pain to continue to play the game. Um, I had to pay for all of this out of pocket because the university couldn't cover the medical costs because then they would uh, be admitting liability at that point. My personal insurance thought it was stupid that I wanted to play um, Division One football after a back surgery. And so I put pay for it out of pocket. And I did so by selling drugs. So for two years, my life was spiraling out of control. I was just selling drugs and um, playing football and watching film and selling drugs and just uh, uh, getting high off of opioids. And that was my life for two years. And I did so with some um, physical success from the sense that I earned a starting position. Um, I was able to start two years, make an impact on the team, although we had losing seasons. <laughs> Not our fault. And then, um, but I, I did so at a cost of my physical and mental health. So my, my back had to um, develop this permanent hunch in it. Um, I could barely sleep without uh, my left leg being propped up on the window pane um, because of how much the pain was hurting um, from still shooting in my legs. I could not uh, sleep without uh, opioid pills. And uh, it was rough. And um, Finally, I just kept taking more because I, I kept taking more and more uh, pills and doing different things to manipulate the healthcare system. Because <clears throat> my whole thought was like, once I make it to the NFL, I'll, I'll be able to afford some like specialist that'll make all the pain go away. Um, but the problem was that I was taking so many opioids that every time I made contact on the field, my nose would bleed. And the coaches picked up on it and they saw after it happened a few games and a couple of practices, they said, we don't know what you're doing. So going into my senior year, they actually kicked me off the team because they didn't want me to hurt myself. And that's when I really got frustrated. And I started to have to face the fact that um, I wasn't prepared for life after sports. It, it wasn't that I didn't think that I could be successful at anything like I was as an athlete. It's that I didn't think I would be fulfilled by anything like I was by being an athlete. And so it was that thought um, combined with the, the true reality that people who once supported me when I was an athlete no longer supported me. <laughs> you know, uh, people who were asking me how my family was doing, asking me what do I need when I was playing sports. You know, the moment that I was not a part of that team anymore, um, I, the phone stopped ringing. Like, I, I remember um, sitting in my bed one time crying because I went an entire day and my phone never rang, which was unheard of for me. It's always a media request or a practice notification or a team something, you know, and it was silent. And so it validated this deep rooted insecurity that I had that uh, without sports, no one really liked Daryl. They liked Daryl the athlete, but not Daryl the non-athlete. And so I began this uh, battle with depression. And to make matters worse, I had a girlfriend that I was dating for four and a half years at the time. She actually left me and got engaged to another man because I was no longer going to the NFL. So then I was like, girlfriend left. Nobody's hitting me up when I'm not playing sports. It's true. Nobody really cares if Daryl's here or not. And I sure don't want to be here. 
And so that was the beginning of the suicide ideations, which turned into uh, attempts, um, mixing my opioid pills with alcohol, um, swallowing a whole bottle of oxycodones, hoping that I wouldn't wake up the next day, um, drinking a whole fifth of alcohol, getting in the car and driving, hoping that I would get in the car accident would end it all. And uh, I could not see beyond my pain. The future just looked like more pain. And uh, it seemed so unfulfilling. And it was these attempts at suicide that landed me in a psychiatric unit in Detroit, Michigan. And I don't know why. I usually don't tell this part of the story. Um, but I feel like I feel like I need to um, share this part. Um, and I, I tell it very rarely. But here's why I want to tell it. Here's why I feel like I need to tell this. Because... You know, you and I have had opportunities to speak on stages like TEDx Talk. We're both podcast hosts. We're doing some great things in the world. We work with some successful people. We're in a circle of, of, of people that are very influential. And um, there's always this sense when we talk about success <laughs> that it means bigger platform, that it means that you have to have some great world vision that's going to change everyone's lives like you and I have, right? But that's not... I don't believe that's true for everybody. I believe everybody has purpose. Everybody has a calling. Everybody has service that they can offer to the world, but not everybody's called to this huge impact and this big world changing vision. And to and the, the example that I, I would share is, is my mom. I don't know if my mom will ever be a New York Times bestselling author. I'll never, I don't know if she'll ever speak on a TEDx stage. But when I was at that suicidal phase in my life, I remember getting in my car and starting it up because I was getting ready to go drive my car off the side of a bridge and end it all. And my mother threw herself on the hood of my car. She said, let me get you some help. So her life mattered. I'm only here because she risked her life to save mine. And don't even talk about the sacrifices she made to make sure that I could even play sports growing up, working two jobs. My mom is a brilliant person. She's great at math. That's where I get my intellect from. My dad's like, he'll figure it out, but my mom like knows it. Um, but she left college because she had me and she needed to take care of me. I Somebody listening to this needs to know that you don't need a big platform to make a big difference. Just serve the best you can with what you got where you are. That's excellence. Carol, that's so well said. And, and I want to thank you. You know, my, you, much like we talked about when I was on your show, you know, I've, I've known bits and pieces of your journey, but I've never heard this part of it. And I want to commend you not only for the vulnerability and the courage to share that today. Mm -hmm. but you know, for allowing your mother to be this piece, which was really the trigger mm -hmm. that changed your trajectory because you are changing people's lives all over this country. But for you to really, that, that was the moment. And I, and I, and I had never heard that before. So, mm -hmm. you know, thank you for sharing that. And so I, I want to push the story forward a little bit Obviously, you're, you're still with us today and, and you made that commitment to stay alive. Talk to us about what, 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 how you created Second Chance Athlete and, and what, what's come from that. Yeah. 
So I go to the psychiatric unit and I have this life-changing experience that gave me hope and, and hope that there was a future that would be um, fulfilling like an athlete once was. But I had to figure out what it was. So I began this journey of, and you'll love this, of researching <laughs> everything that I could find about identity, purpose, meaning. I mean, Viktor Frankl's book. I mean, anything that was identity, purpose, or meaning, I probably have read it like um, up until what? 2015, 16, because I, and I've read some stuff since then, but I was like, I lived in the library. <laughs> like, that's all I studied. Cause so I was like, I've got to find what my purpose and my meaning is. I mean, I was reading everything from spiritual books to self-help books, to personal development, TEDx talks. I was buying everybody's seminar. I went to a whole week long, like immersive leadership experience that's supposed to um, help you find your healthy disregard for the impossible is what they called it there. And so like, I just did all this stuff and I, I got to this place about five years into that journey um, after that suicide attempt that last one, that um, that I was like, I think I like my life. And, and I actually, if I got offered a multi-million dollar contract to be a professional athlete right now, I wouldn't trade it for it because that's how much I, I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I looked at my peers and I said, that's not true for them. They're still bragging about sports like they're playing it. <laughs> I mean, if you talk to them, you wouldn't even know that they're done being an athlete because that's all they're talking about. And, and you know how that is. The story just keeps getting better and better. Like, they, they, they go from, I, I average 20 points to I average 25 to I average 30. It just gets, like, they just keep getting better and better. And so they were, they were t- bragging about the sports because to them, that was their best days. Their best days were behind them and not in front of them. That wasn't true for me anymore. The other thing that I noticed, I started sharing my story of of overcoming suicidal ideations and attempts, and I was um, leaving people inspired, but not transformed. So I would come and share my story and and be all inspirational, and people would come up to me afterwards and say, oh my gosh, that was so powerful. I'm, I'm struggling too. Thank you for sharing your story. And then I would just be like, man, thank you for that feedback. See you later. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Uh. I don't want to leave you alone and walk this journey out. Like you just came up to me and told me you're having mental health issues. I I don't want to just be like, good luck out there, my friend, more power to you. Follow me on social media. And so second chance athletes became a vehicle that helped us go from me being an inspirational speaker to us being a transformative organization. And we took this process that I went through and said, Daryl, how did you get here to the point where you wouldn't trade your current life for your former life as an athlete? And as we began to observe the process, we came up with a five-step roadmap that we call our athlete transition roadmap, right? And what it is, is it, it, it helps people to detach their identity from their sport, find their highest calling, and then use transferable skills, habits, routine, and mental healthy practices, which I know you're an advocate of, to build a fulfilling future. And that's what we do now at Second Chance Athletes, alongside of a bunch of referral and connections with experts who can help with health and nutrition and uh, who can provide psychiatric care, things that we don't ex- um, that we are not experts at. We then um, provide and recommend those services out to others. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. 
I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. I love that. And again, I, I, I know that your bread and butter are working with ex-athletes, but so many of these five pillars are, are translatable to, to anybody. And I, and I know you talk about them in depth in your, your new book, which is available in bookstores everywhere tomorrow. So it's really exciting. So let's take a little bit deep dive. First, tell us the title of the book, and then let's, let's jump into those, those five things in a, in a bit more detail. Yep. So the book is called Who Am I After Sports? An Athlete's Roadmap to Discover New Purpose and Live Fulfilled. Um, In this book, I share some real vulnerable parts of my story of battling depression and having mental illness, being labeled clinically depressed. And then the core of the book is our transition roadmap. And I'll walk you guys through that so you can know how it can apply to different disciplines. We've been told, I remember I was sharing at a, a, a Fellowship of Christian Athletes banquet about the book. I was raising capital for it. Um, and I was telling them about our five-step process and this uh, retired uh, uh, CEO, um, excuse me, not CEO, this retired C-suite executive from Chick-fil-A comes up to me and says, man, I need that. And then I was sharing at another um, venue and then a veteran comes and goes, I I need that. So we have been told that the process does help anyone in the process of transition. So if you feel like, man, I don't know if my second marriage is going to be better than my first, or I don't know if my second job is going to be better than my next. I don't know if my my career as uh, in this industry is going to be better than my career in that industry. This process helps you. So here's the five steps. Our transition roadmap is the first step is to accept. You have to stop wishing for the past and and thinking you're going to live a better future. You have to accept that that chapter is over. And we walk you through uh, some exercises of how you can truly close a chapter on your life. Uh, The second thing is to believe. You cannot achieve if you do not believe. We walk you through the mindset principles that you need to believe in a brighter future. Uh, The third step is to discover. This is where everyone usually wants to start (laughs) is what's next for me, right? Um, But the problem is if you don't do the first two steps before you get to the third, you'll never have the inner healing that you need and you'll take all of that baggage into the new season of your life. So so the first two steps helps you get rid of that baggage and believe and and get the mindset that this is going to be better. And then the third step actually helps you find out what that highest purpose and that pivot point is going to be. And I'll walk you through a series of self-discovery exercises that took me five years and thousands of dollars to learn. And it's all shared in that chapter. And then the fourth step is pursue it. So you can't just wish it and know it. You have to go build it and achieve it. Um, so for athletes specifically, I talk about the transferable skills, how they can take what made them successful as an athlete to be successful in sports. But we also talk about goal setting, habits, routines, rituals, things that help, that are just su- good success principles to help people achieve their dreams. And then the fifth step is persistence. So we have accept, believe, discover, pursue, and then persist. 
and persistence, uh, it's it's basically a big chapter on mental health practices, right? It's all in my secret. I always tell people this, like I'm like the bootstrap mental health guy. Like I don't explain all the science behind it, but I'll tell you what worked for me. <laughs> so people are like, are you a psychiatrist? Are you a certified counselor or anything like that? I'm like, no, I'm not, but I'm a suicide survivor and I figured out how not to throw in the towel. So there's my credentials and these practices help me live mentally healthy and help others and the other people that we walk them through. So that's what the fifth chapter is all about. I, w- I was playing as I was writing these down to see if these created a, a clever acronym, and it was oh man, I'm so bad at acronyms. It was like ABDPP, but you know there is actually you know I'm I'm the science guy, so there is quite a lot of science behind behind what you're saying, and indeed, you know, just saying oh well, I'd like to do X. That's great, mm-hmm. uh, but it's mm-hmm. it's not action. It's not just like this law of attraction thing <laughs> that magic happens. You can't yeah, yeah. have that happen without taking the action, actually taking the steps to put that mm-hmm. into practice, and, and certainly yeah. persistence. I mean, there's countless research studies on mm-hmm. you know effort and persistence, and that you know, it's like anything else. If you believe in a goal. Mm-hmm. If you are passionate about something, you're certainly going to be able to stick with it longer than if it's something you don't believe in. Mm-hmm. But if you continue with it, uh, you will have results over time. Maybe not in the time frame upon which you originally expected or exactly how you thought that it would happen, but persistence certainly pays off and, and the research backs that up. But uh, this, this book available everywhere, I can't wait to get my hands on it, uh, even yeah. though you you negatively impacted my wedding. Uh, I'm still, I'm still going to read this book uh, and I'm excited about it. But again, I, I just, I, I really appreciate your courage to come in and, and share what you shared. I mean, we all can think back to when we were 17, 18 years old and have made decisions that might actually have impacted us uh, over the course of our lives. I, I know I, I have, and uh, it's, it's interesting, right? That, you know, you, that injury, which was just in, in a moment of bravado and machismo, uh, really shaped you into what you're doing today. And you're helping so many people. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Oh, man, it's, it's my honor and privilege. And man, I just I just encourage people. I, I and, and, and I hate promoting myself, but I know it's necessary to share the goodness that I know I'm called to share with this world. But one of my favorite things about this book is that there's zero fluff. So I, I, I despise, I, I read a lot of books and I despise that books have evolved and not all books are like this, but have evolved to where they're just business cards now. And they tell you a couple of stories, a few principles, and they want you to buy some of their high ticket programs. And I have no problem with programs because I believe programs can produce transformation. I've got my own programs, but I put everything in this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not the, the, uh, the, the carrot at, that dangles in front of you so you can buy something else. This is not bait and switch. Right. This is jam-packed. And so uh, there's no fluff. Um, There's raw inspirational story and practical success habits and some great innovative uh, theories on best practices for identity and transition. So uh, I encourage you, go support the book. Uh, Buy one for yourself and buy one for someone you love. I love it. I wish we had more time to to talk, but we, we have rapidly 
breezed through this episode and you know that's a good one when you look at the clock and holy cow we're, yeah. we're already at time so daryl as you know i ask every guest who comes on this show if you could share your biggest helping and that is the single most important piece of information you'd like the audience to walk away with after hearing our conversation today the single most important truth that I want to leave you with is that everything you need, you already have inside you. You're just developing it. Reading it doesn't give you something you don't have. It only develops what you already have inside of you. And so if you've got big dreams, big plans, uh, great desires, and you think that you're not good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, know that that is a lie. And that the truth is that you have everything that you need to do everything you're called to do. So go do it. I love it. Daryl, tell us the URL again where people can connect with you and where they can get their hands on this book. Yeah. So you can go to my website, DarylStinson.com, or you can just go to uh, our brand, uh, which is SecondChanceAthletes.com. You'll find all of the information on both of those sites. Perfect. And for those of you on the elliptical, we got you covered. Everything Daryl Stinson and Second Chance Athletes will be available on the show notes for his episode at thedailyhelping.com. Well, that is it for today, Daryl. Thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed it. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and uh, hit me up if you need anything. Daryl, this was awesome. Thanks again for coming on. And I, and I also want to thank each and every one of you who chose to Take the time out of your day to listen to this episode today. If you liked what you heard, go subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review because that's what helps. That's what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 